Hello and welcome back for the latest edition of Rugby League Back Chat. Last week was a big one in the world of Rugby League as it was announced that New York and Ottawa are one step closer to entering the league structure in 2020. To discuss that with us, we have three very special guests, starting with the ex-chairman of Cronulla Sharks, Damien Irving, the publisher of League Weekly, Lockwood, and the big lead for New York, Ricky Wilby. Ricky, it would be wrong of me not to start with you. <laughs> uh, a big day last Thursday at the AJ Bell Stadium. You presented to clubs and ultimately you were given approval 19 to 4. How big a day was that in your aspirations to enter the league structure? So far, obviously, it was a huge a huge deal to get the club's approval of, of what we presented. was was a good indication of, of where we are and and hopefully over the next couple of, couple of months we can we can turn those those four into into positives as well. I think you were the only person out of us four that was in the room. So you'll have to give us the inside scoop on what actually happened in that meeting. There was a lot of a lot of questions from the floor. Uh, we've been made aware of that. What were the big um, positives and the big concerns that were brought up by the clubs? Uh, I mean, obviously the the travel was it was a big concern, and 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 I think we've we've eased those those concerns by saying the, the quality of hotel that we're going to put teams in and the, the fact that we'd fly teams business class using using flight partners. Uh, so they, they were, they were, that was one big concern. The other one was, was player pool mm -hmm. and, and if we'd be a drain on, on the player pool. And, and again, we tried to ease those fears by explaining our tryouts programme uh, and the fact that we've already got American players interested in coming and getting involved, both rugby league and rugby union players. Mm -hmm. So... So yeah, with a, with a bit of luck, we'll we'll have that American feel to our squad as well. Damien, nineteen to four. I think there was a, a feeling before the meeting. It, it would probably be a little bit tighter than that. Were you surprised that the votes voted <coughs> as comfortably in favour of the two bids as they did? Uh, no, I wasn't because I, look. First and foremost, it's how how the the vote is tabled as well. And this was an indication vote. I think if you'd said the clubs were voting on the actual decision, you might have seen a different different vote. So um, it's very easy in principle to put your hand up and say, look, as long as we're not being told that this is a decisive vote, we'll, we'll go one way or the other. I think it's a fantastic result. I think um, it's nice to see clubs, I think, vote on the, the, the facts at hand, the presentations at hand, and not on political agendas, on, on who, what they feel is the right way to go because their friends are voting. I think it was a really good result for the, for the game and for Ricky, who I know has worked many, many months, years on this. Um, there's been a lot of foundation and hard work put into this bid. This is not a fly-by-night, you know, let's think about doing a New York bid. Um, so just rewards, I think, Ricky, you should be congratulated to get to this stage, and, and I hope it goes forward, I really do. It's interesting, the questions people ask, um, worried about travel. I think if we as a game are sitting down and, and as clubs, uh, uh, those are the main questions and concerns we've got to ask a bid. We're asking the wrong questions. Um, travel in, in professional sport in this day and age, it has, hasn't been an issue for the NRL for a long time. Um, and some quick turnarounds flying Townsville, Sydney, Auckland, um, three and a half hours to Canberra on the, on the coach, um, Melbourne. We, we travel, we go to Perth and play in the NRL, it's not a problem. So I'm a bit disappointed there weren't some more incisive questions asked and raised about why or the, the ins and outs of the bid but um, what I would know is that I think Ricky would have them answered because he's done a lot of thorough work. Danny? Yeah, um, thumbs up all round I think chaps. Uh, I think everybody that's got the game's growth and prosperity at heart will be really gladdened by this. I think it would have been a really negative retrograde step if we'd have gone into this small-minded shell. You know, we've tried expansion in our home territories over the last 20 years, and we've grown a lot of grassroots rugby league uh, in the UK. 
the growth of the game outside the Heartlands at a semi-professional level has not been as successful as we've wanted. But I don't think you can let that kind of situation hold you back. A lot of I think a lot of doubt about the American market has been has come from people who say, "Well, you're never going to take on American football. You're never going to take on uh, you know the the the, the high-profile professional sports over there." Mm. No, you're not. But neither do you have to. And you know, I, I spent a number of years playing rugby union in uh, in the United States. It's a fantastically popular, high number sport. Absolutely, my old club out on the west coast had a, a founders' day just last Saturday, and they were playing rugby union from ten in the morning till five in the afternoon. There were something like hundred and fifty people played rugby union on one field last week. So. You've got a massive, massive market to tap into. You don't have to see yourself as a competitor. Mm -hmm. You know, grassroots uh, soccer, as they call it, is absolutely huge. It doesn't need to challenge the the you know the the NFL, the you know the National Basketball Association. You've got Canadian teams that you know that play in North American professional sports. I think that we can just tap into that absolute American love of competitive and particularly combative sports, mm -hmm. which rugby league certainly is. Mm -hmm. And I think the world is, is the game's oyster if we, if we carry on with what the club showed their intent on last week and we embrace the opportunities. Rick, I mean, look, there are people out there, supporters of, of other clubs, traditional clubs, that I think are a bit concerned how the influx of, of more teams <coughs> with a lot of money can would affect their clubs. We did see four clubs fought against it. They were Widnes Lee, Rochdale and, and Hunslet. There probably is, subconsciously, for, even for the clubs that have proved a little bit of self-preservation and the concerns of what it may, how it may affect them, what would, what would you respond to them, to those clubs that worry about how New York and Ottawa could affect their aspirations in the game? I don't think, I don't think we, we affect many teams' aspirations unless, unless we're, we're, we're not coming in to replace teams. We're coming in to add, add value. We want to come in and, and add add to the competition uh, so we don't want to we don't want to hanker down on people's people's ambitions and keep them down and whatever else uh, that being said people have spoken about budgets and whatever else but that, not all that budget that we've got to spend is going to go on players it's got to go on development it's got to go on marketing it's got to go on transport it's got to go on on, on all those logistical sides as well uh, so while there is a budget there to spend we're not just going to come in and, and, and flash the cash and, and spend bringing NRL players left, right and centre. We've got to do things the right way. We've got to build from the grassroots in the States uh, and we've got to develop those American players uh, and grow the player pool that's, that's on offer. I think what's really important for supporters and, and the game to understand is that the argument for expansion or the argument for New York or Ottawa or anything else is a very separate argument to the health of rugby league in our country. <laughs> very different. Yeah. So don't let's not muddy the waters with the argument <laughs> for expansion. Um, and say that if, if, if we expand, then that's going to hurt the game here. We, the game has to get its ducks in a row and, and, and everything in order here first. And that's expansion, yes or no, is not going to affect strength of other clubs in the M62 corridor, financial issues at club level and all of that. So very separate. True, but I think if you look at it from Widnes and Lee's perspective, I mean, they, they were two of the clubs, so they have Super League ambitions. They'll, I don't want to put words in the mouth, but Danny, may they look at... New York and Ottawa with, with loads of cash coming in and think, hang on, 
these might stop us <laughs> from getting back into Super League. Well, they both, think, they both, they both had Super League. They both had the ambition, the, yeah, and they're not there anymore. That's not that's not expensive. Oh, yeah. well. they've, they've shown how not to do it, haven't they? Yeah. With respect yeah. to them, and so I do think it's quite small-minded. I'd, I'd be interested to to kind of read the minds of the Rochdale and Hunslet. Uh, thought you know thoughts as to why they had reservations and and uh, you know I, and I do think that you know for instance Bradford Bulls, a big club that's fallen on hard times that still belongs and wants to get back to the big time you know but yet could see beyond that and look to the the wider prospect of the game because if we do you know we, at the moment, yeah, okay, we're looking at the top of the championship now. You're looking at Toronto and Toulouse and saying, well, probably Toronto are going to be up there next year, knocking on the door. Great stuff, you know. It's adding to the party. We want to sell this game, you know. And, and, and with respect to Witness and Lee, you know, they've got a lot to prove before they're in any position to be knocking on that door again. And I would like to think that we can, if we can get the, the player pool growth, if we can get the marketing right, if we can get the people falling in love with this sport, that we can say, well, hold on, it doesn't have to be a 12-team Super League. We still can have a 14-team Super League if we have enough money, if we have enough successful clubs, if we're showing how the game can present itself on a, not just a national, but an international level. So I like to think that, you know, you can allay a lot of the fears of clubs that are thinking, oh, you know, instead of us thinking, wow, we're going to be in the top four knocking on the door for Super League this year, now it's going to be six, now it's going to be eight. Great, bring it on. Prove how good you can be and how deserving you can be of a place at the top table. And I would only like to think, because this is where my reservations would be, that Super League chairman can embrace that mindset too, mm. as, and when they, as and when the time comes. Because, you know, Eric Perez can say what he likes about, and, and, and Ricky too, about we've got modest expectations, we just want to compete. Yeah, right. It's business, it's sport. <laughs> you want to race up that League One, you want to race up that Championship, and you want to be knocking on the door of the big boys as soon as you possibly can. So I, I buy the organic growth <laughs> stuff, Ricky, you know, but, but save it for the bid. You know. I'd raise the question, Denny, what's an, easy, what's an easier sell for a fixture, a meaningful fixture in the Championship this year? Um, is it a game with Toronto in it? It is. Yeah, it is. It really is, and there are more column inches and discussion points around that. Yep. And it will be the same for New yep. York, and that's no disrespect to to a game against Barrow on Monday, Easter Monday, or Rochdale. But unfortunately, that's what where the interest is at the moment. This is Hollywood. Yeah, yeah, you're, you're right. And the reality is that the fact are there to prove that the Toronto do draw bigger than and other traditional clubs. You mentioned Rochdale and Hunslet. <coughs> mm -hmm. uh, I think there's been some great coverage in the trades from following this. Uh, Neil Hampshire did speak in, in League Express and he's, his concern was, he said, you don't put parts of a train track down without knowing where the end destination is. And he wants to know what the RFL's long-term strategy is for expansion clubs and where they go. Ricky, I, I know you can't speak on behalf of the RFL, but he wanted to know where, he, where the game wanted to be in 2025, 2030. In your eyes, where the New York and Ottawa and Toronto come into the long-term vision of rugby league in ten, ten years' time? In rugby league in general, mm. worldwide, I think I think the long-term goal, and I'm not, I don't want to put a time limit on it. I think the long-term goal has to be to create an American mm. rival Super League. That's not us coming in and, and using the RFL as a stepping stone in any shape, way, shape, or form. But I think the longer-term goal has to be that that rival competition to. To Super League and, and having having British teams wanting to come and join that 
I, I think, yeah, I, I'm pleased we've seen some positive news finally out of the United States as opposed to North America generally because, of course, after the problems with the Denver test last year and what now looks like a failed 2025 World mm. Cup bid, um, it's back to the drawing board a little bit on mm. that. It was a big blow. I, I know there were plans for uh, a professional uh, rugby league competition in the United States. That I, I saw the detailed plans probably three years ago now. They never went anywhere. It's, I, I understand why. They're still trying to make professional rugby union take off in the United States. They've had two or three bites at it. Um, it, it, is, it is a difficult market to tap. But New York, if any place has got a chance, it's New York. You have the athlete base. You can, you can, you can, you can create a story that is, is very difficult to do um, in, in other professional sports. So I, I still think that th that Super League, if you like, for North America is, is, is a long way down the track. But closer to home, and, and the concerns of Hunslet and Rochdale, we have to be looking outside. That's the only approach in professional sport, for my money. What direction... I, I, I get the lay and the track and all of that, but sometimes you, it, it's the old field of dreams, isn't it? Mm. Build it and they will come. But the question about laying the track is, is an excellent one, and with respect, it's not for the Rickies or Eric Perez's or the Rochdales to answer that question. It's for the RFL to answer the question. The, the NRL went through expansion, it went through a culling of sides, it went through a merger period, it went through a criteria. Um, and whilst that... Was, was a difficult time for a lot of clubs. The results are there now down the track. I think the, the RFL, and one thing that could be a criticism from, from this bid process, and it's certainly not from the people that are bidding, um, or for the people that are bidding to be criticised, but there was no track laid out. There was no plan and said, we are going to be in, in, on February 1st next year accepting bids for expansion. These are the criteria you must add. This is what, and, and go out to open market and ask people. And I think that's where the Rochdales or other clubs might have a beef because yeah. you don't know who could have been in that process. Was there someone, were Manchester Rangers who have done a great job in yeah. getting that? They might like to have, have bid or they might mm -hmm. like to have looked at one of the, uh, the failed um, licences down south and moved that there. But the, the fact that it wasn't said, we're going to market, this is what you're going to have to do sure. to give everyone a chance, I think that's detracted a little bit from the good yeah. work that's being done because there, there isn't that plan in place and that's all the game has to do. If you fail and you don't get up there, well, you've, you've, you've known what the rules were, you entered into it and you didn't get a successful application, but that hasn't been laid out properly and I do think that's a bit, bit unfair on, on, the, on the process. And ultimately as well, you, you talk about those concerns about expansion. The RFL's track record isn't too great, Danny. Celtic, uh, Celtic Crusaders, Oxford, Hemel, Gloucestershire All Golds. Yeah, you know, with due respect to the RFL, you know, uh, and the the plans have always been good. The implementation has been very mixed. We do have some success stories, but ultimately, you know, Ralph Rimmer or Nigel Wood or whomever cannot go in and run the club for them. The, the, you know, when it comes down to it. The people who, are, who, who say, I've got the confidence in that plan, whether it be in Wales, whether it be down south, are the ones that have got to be charged with carrying it out. And if they fail in that, for whatever reason, ultimately, the book has to stop with someone. We can't always just point back at Red Hall and say, well, you picked the wrong, you know, you're back the wrong I just think you need a there. process, Danny. You know, I mean, uh, Ricky and the team from New York have worked on this for, for over two years. Um, there have been other things pop up and people suggest Boston or, and all of this, all of a sudden Ottawa come from left field and go, hey, we're, we're, we're putting a bid in. Um, I think it just needs a, a bit of strategy. 
a bit of a plan saying we look to implement two extra clubs in expansion within the next three years. This is the process bid, just like the World Cup uh, bid for hosting cities, mm -hmm. in which was a brilliantly thought through and a very well executed process, the World Cup bid, to find out who played where and all that. It was a great process. It was a mini Olympic bidding process without the, the Olympic bidding, you know, corruption yeah. and all that. So it was brilliant and it was done well. I think that's the approach that needs to be done on, on the whole game strategy and the expansion because, um, you know, clubs, the, the, the smaller clubs need to see and the clubs that are battling and they've done a great job in staying around and, and, and fighting for rugby league in their territories on their kick. I mean, they're spending money and the RFL doesn't have in marketing, etc. They need to know where they sit in the game. Damien, I'm going to have to stop you there because we've had a really quick first part of the show. Coming up in the second part, you'll all have been shocked to find out that Sean O'Rudds isn't actually coming to rugby league. We'll be talking about that after the break. Welcome back to the second part of this week's Rugby League Bat Chat. Before the break, we were talking about New York and Otter, and I very rudely interrupted Damien. So, Damien, carry on with the, the point you were making. Oh, no, the point was only that uh, for, for great clubs and badges in rugby league that are traditional, just like Newtown in the NRL, etc., and West, uh, West Magpies, the North Sydney Bears, there's still a place for them after expansion and, and in the game, <laughs> and I just think the game has to show them where that is because I would vote against something too if I didn't know what the future held out of fear or unknown. Um, so I, I, that's the only point. I think you've just got to map it out for them, let everyone know where they stand, and, and the game will be fine on the back of that. Ricky, just a few things before we, we move on. Um, the stadium you're playing at Red Bull Arena, which is the yep. same as New York Red Bulls. Yep. Um, in terms of the recruitment, you will... Just to clear up these myths, because there are people who love to say that they won't have to work under a salary cap. You do have to work under we do, a yeah. salary cap. Of course we do, And yeah. how does it differ for you? Because obviously you're going to be based out in New York, so I guess it's more like Catalans, in it, in a way. How, Similar, yeah. How will that work on, on the cap with accommodation and, and so on and so forth? So, uh, obviously, similar to Catalans, uh, players would get a certain allowance uh, when they first arrive. Mm -hmm. uh, but then... They, under their own wages, they'd have to source their own their own accommodation, so we won't be sourcing that accommodation for them. Uh, we can put them in touch with our real estate mm -hmm. agents, uh, but they can they can sort their own mm -hmm. accommodations out. Uh, and again, paid in dollars. Mm -hmm. Yep. Paid, uh, paid did you get my states. CV and my application for the media job? I did. I did. Yeah. I've got that. He got mine too. <laughs> <don't> <laughs> <I>? <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, and the exchange rate works the same as well. It, it sort of changes as the currency rate changes yes. on your cap. So yeah. you've got to work on those challenges. And just fine, and Ottawa are exactly the same, uh, it should be said. Now you've disclosed who the, the financial backers are behind that. The due diligence has been done. The RFL are aware who they are. Yeah. Just to explain why that um, that hasn't been put out in the public domain. Just I yet. think it's just a case. It's sim it was similar with Toronto. Toronto didn't announce anything until, until they first came in. Uh, for, for, I can only speak for us rather than Ottawa, uh, but certainly for, for us, our investors just want to keep their heads down and 
and, <coughs> and let things take place until until we get the yes. Mm -hmm. But once we get the yes, they're more than happy to. And which of the five mafia families in New York? As long as, as long as they pay for me as the major, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm okay uh, Moving on. Sean Edwards, in the least surprising news of, of the year, he isn't coming to Rugby League. Danny, I'm sure yesterday when yeah. you saw the, uh, the statement, you it fell was, off your seat in shock. It, it, was, it, was, it was no surprise whatsoever. Sh Sean kind of, um, you know, <clears throat> I think, laid, laid, the, laid the, the groundwork for the announcement a few weeks ago, didn't he? I think it's disappointing for the game. I think it's incredibly disappointing for Wigan. <clears throat> I think it puts a lot of pressure now on Adrian Lamb's shoulders. Um, I'm, I'm sure Ian Lenigan is smarting because he's a pretty. Uh, he, he, he considers himself, I think, a, a, a pretty sharp operator as uh, Ian, and I think he'll be disappointed that he didn't nail this down when he should have done. I think, from Sean Edwards' point of view, it makes sense. Mm -hmm. um, I, I didn't particularly buy his excuse that he put out there at the weekend. You know, I don't have enough prep time. That's that's not it. I think he's. I think the biggest thing for two big things for Sean. One. A stellar year for Wales, and the money will be the offers will be coming in, you know, that probably eclipse anything he could get from Wigan. And two, he's looked at that Wigan squad and looked at that league table and thought, I don't fancy that. And hey, yeah, you, you, and Damien, look, the press release came out. You could probably pick a pick it apart. He said he didn't have enough preparation. Well, he, there was a announced for the job fifteen months before he was supposed yeah. to be taking it. He said he didn't think he was uh, capable of taking it on. Well, why take it in the first place? It, yeah. It's just not a good look all round, really, is it, for anyone? It's a really bad look. And you mentioned Wigan's current position, Denny, in this season. That's a direct result of all of this. I mean, no doubt. I mean, they brought Adrian Lamb in, who's done a, a job with what he can do. He was always in here as a caretaker. Um, it set them back. There's no doubt. It set them back 12 months. And mm -hmm. they should never have been in this position. Um, you know, Ian might well consider himself a, as a sharp operator, how it went that long without having a signature on paper, that's not sharp practice. No, it's not. No, it's not good enough. Now, if, if someone's let Ian down there or, or you know, the, the negotiations have got that far without that, that's poor. Um, so I, I think it's, it's really a shame. It's a shame for the Wigan fan. It's a shame for Rugby League. Wigan has always been a brand that's been the, the epitome of, of, you know, elite performance on and off the pitch in Rugby League. So um, it's a big black eye. You know when, when the national radio sport networks are starting to talk about Rugby League um, and, and it's these sort of issues they're raising, it doesn't paint us in a great light as a game. No. Um, and and a, it's a slap in the face, I think, from Rugby Union and from, from Edwards, if I'm honest. Yeah. Um, and the game should... Um, we should we should get together around this and go. We're not going to let that happen again. Uh, we're a far better sport than rugby union, I can tell you. You know, and, and we should be stronger and say we're not going to entertain this kind of uh, behaviour in in the in the future. We shouldn't be treated like this as a sport. I feel for Wigan. I feel for their fans. At the end of it, um, could have been handled a lot better, though, Denny. A lot yeah, better. Rick, here with my rugby league hat on. It seems to me as it's just going to be more ammunition for for rugby union people to fire cheap shots at rugby league and and say this and that. It, it's not it's not just damaging for Wigan. It's actually bad for rugby league as a sport, really. This isn't it. Potentially, yeah. Uh, potentially, I mean, just bringing you, you saw the fanfare last year when when it was announced that Sean was coming back and and there was a real buzz, certainly around Wigan that, that they were getting the the prodigal son back. Uh, so I think it's a real. A real uh, shot in the foot for 
for Wigan. It's I think the same it's... for sponsors for any people. Absolutely. If you're going to use our game, if you're going to use our game to better yourself or to, to let your employer know you might be looking elsewhere or you might want to get involved as a company, do you know what? Put your pit signature on that paper, contract yourself to it and then use our game as much as you like because Absolutely. you're a part of it. But don't do it while you're, you're half and half just having a lend. I don't it, think it's fair. It's an interesting point, Dave, because obviously in your current role, uh, you're head of commercial at, at Bradford. Now, you'll understand the the problems that that this sort of thing can create. We, we talk about how it might affect the players, how it might affect the people at the top. What does this sort of PR disaster, that I think we it's can call it, affect? professionalism, Matt. You know, the, the game struggles for, for blue-chip-style mm. respect, mm. if I'm honest, and it has for a little while. Um, and that's not because of our working-class background. Um, it's, it's because the game's stubbed its toe a number of times over the years in, in basic business <coughs> practices and basic quality. Little things like not getting signatures on paper and being used in the press um, don't help. So overall, our, our reputation does hurt as a game. We're seen as a little bit, oh, rugby league, you know. They're, they're a bit of a, a, a tin pot sport. They're a great sport on the pitch, but off-field it's not run very well. It does affect you because companies that want to come and invest in the game have seen that incidence or incidences before yeah. or all manner of things, clubs falling over, etc. And, they, and they've got so many different options in this modern world, Matt, to invest their money and put their brand next to uh, that it, is, it does hurt. There will be chuckling at Twickenham uh, oh. about this. They will be loving this. And, um, and it, it doesn't come as a surprise to any of us sat around this table. No. Uh, I think, uh, for me, I'm really disappointed on a personal level with Sean. I, I know Ian, and again, you've got to take it back to Ian saying, <clears throat> I, think, I think when this broke a few weeks ago, he said, well, I've done lots of deals where we settled it on a handshake. Yeah, but... You, well, we settled you, it, though, <clears throat> so it, went, it means it happened. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah. So I, I just, I, I, feel, I feel for Wigan. I, I think it is a slap in the face for the sport. We'll move on, we'll get on. Let's concentrate on the, the good news, on the, on the New Yorks and the Ottawa's. Um, Closer to home, I think we've got to look at the Wigan uh, situation now and start worrying about them. Who coaches them, Denny? Uh, you've got that, but I, I'm more concerned with who's doing the recruiting at this point. Because I think Ian is a bit of a... I think he keeps decisions close to his chest. I, I don't think he lets a lot of authority get out there. But right now, you look at that player pool, you look at who's left them through the, through the close season... You, you look at where they are now, and when Sean O'Loughlin is not on that field, they're only half the side. And I'm, and I'm thinking, you know, whether it's Chris Radlinski, whether it's Lamb himself, whether there's things going on in the background, but someone needs to be looking at how they rebuild the Wigan brand, and I think that, that is a, a critical point for the sport. If it's Adrian himself, though, and if he's not here for next season and year <coughs> on, it's a very difficult position to be it, in. It's a mess all around. Yeah. You mentioned the... Um... The, the rebuild as such. What did you make of Chris Adlis' comments about the culture? He defended the culture at Wigan in light of um, the Gabe Hamlin, he's got the doping violation, um, Craig Mullen got charged with drink driving. It wasn't too long ago that Zach Hardacre was too. Or the Tompkins boys was the it Tompkins boys, <laughs> and, and even the, a few years before that, uh, John Bateman was suspended after yeah. after something that happened in 2016. So what, what did you make of those comments? I, th I think that... that Culture comments coming from the toppers are all fine and dandy, but you can't handcuff the guys once they finish their actual, you know, the day's work. And and I don't think it's... I, I think it is... Um, it's unfortunately the characteristics of a lot of the people that we have in the sport more than it is a culture problem at Wigan or Leeds or any other club. I mean, Leeds bent over backwards to get Zach Hardacre on the straight and narrow. Um, 
I, I think with the best will in the world, you, you, you dealt the hand you dealt with when, you, when you're dealing with, when you've got young men suddenly coming into a lot of money, high profile, and all the temptations that go with it. Whether we as a sport are best prepared for that, I don't know. But I don't think that any sport really is. But I think when, when performance, in, in, when a great brand, I mean, Wigan were untouchable as a brand and as a club. They had the, the highest levels of performance. They were the benchmark in so many ways. Um, and, and now they're not. And they've had a few things off field. And, and I think what Matt's getting at is that, that that's mounting up when questions have to be asked. They mirror another massive brand in rugby league, which were absolutely untouchable for so long in the Brisbane Broncos at the moment. And the Brisbane Broncos now, they're a bit of a laughing stock. Clubs are no longer in fear of going to play them. Um, they, they don't even, uh, we're not surprised when something happens in the press or miss players misbehave and performances drop off. That was unheard of four years ago. You would never ever be seen to be mocking or, or just thinking, oh, the Broncos are not up to that standard. And so two big brands through the 80s and 90s um, are very similar in that way that these untouchable rugby league brands starting to just, uh, there's some chinks in the armour there and it needs to rectify pretty quickly. Ricky, these are the sort of issues I'm sure at some point down the line you may have to uh, to deal with. If, if you were if you were at Wigan now, how would you talk about trying to rebuild that brand? How would you try and go about doing it? Uh, I think, well, certainly from our perspective, we've been we've been really key about, obviously we've had players and, and agents getting in touch with us about, about players and, and wanting to sign for, for New York. We've been really big about creating that, that culture because of the travel, because of everything else, because of the brand, and, and it's a brand new brand going into a massive sports market. We need to be, we need to have the right players involved, we need to have the right people involved, most importantly. And I just think you look at some of the recruitment that we can have had over the years, or in recent years, and you just think, are they, are they ticking those similar boxes? <laughs> and, and you'd probably argue that they're not. The, um, on the head coach in front, you will potentially soon be looking out for a head coach. Where, where are you at in those? As you said, you've been inundated with calls from players and agents. I'm sure a coach hasn't been too far away either. Yeah, we, I think we're pretty much settled on, on who we're going who, who to gonna take forward. Uh, I've been in discussions with them over the last couple of weeks. Mm -hmm. uh, similar to the Wigan situation, we've not signed a contract yet. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so that could all change. No, we're, we're pretty settled on, on who we're going to get and as soon as we've got the yes, then we've got a contract ready for us. Is there a timescale on that? Have they, have they actually told you when you will have an answer, Ricky? Uh, we're hoping within the next three weeks. Great. So the only I think, thing much, I think much later than that, we're, we're pushing towards maybe like well, recruitment. 20, recruitment technically starts yeah. in about May 1st, doesn't it? Yeah. So. You mentioned there, Ricky, you've had a lot of calls from players and agents and all of that. And the only thing I'd say, and we talk about Wigan and Broncos and where it goes wrong with clubs, you're in a really, really, uh, you're, you're in a buyer's market here, mate. You've got a fantastic brand. You've got a fantastic location. Um, it's up to you who Absolutely, you build it, yeah. who you build your culture. And I, I wouldn't take a call from an agent. No, you know, I would go and I would choose and identify the people yeah. you want, and I would go and approach them yeah. because, yeah. Uh, generally speaking, uh, the people that are chasing it and the agents that are calling, you know, they might not be the people you want. No. You make the decision. You've got all the balls in your court, mate. And it's a fantastic place to be, and you can start it from scratch. Yeah, I do think it's about the personalities that mm -hmm. are, that will that will make it or break it. And I think that you look at successful clubs, and you look at particularly the Leeds Rhinos yeah. of the last 10 years, and you get a hardcore, a player group that you think these guys are leaders, mm -hmm. and the leaders not just on the field, but in character, mm -hmm. and how they bring people through around them, and I think that that 
is key to building any sports. Oh, we've talked about Zach and other people. With all due respect, and this is not about individuals, but the agent's not going to be there at 2am in, in, in New sure. Jersey when you're saying a few of the boys had a too many beers after a yeah. barbecue. They're not there. No. You are, and you're the one who's going to Absolutely. have to be fronting it up. Absolutely. On, on this front, um, I want to get on to Saints, so I don't want to stay on this too long. How are New York and Ottawa going to affect the, the player market, not only in the player pool initially, but the salaries? Because a lot of people have said that Toronto have basically pushed the salaries up. Is that going to happen again, Damien, now? The game pays way too much for player salaries here in a lot of ways. Um, at the top end, um, the, the top Super League boys are earning a little bit too much, and at the lower end, they're earning a little bit too less. There's a lot of <laughs> there's a lot of middle of ground that's just a little bit above average. I don't see that affecting the market at all. There are enough players. Um, again, we've got to be proud as Rugby League and go, you know what, it's a privilege to play our game. There are only so many... League One Championship and Super League professional contracts out there, um, there are enough players to fill them and, and mm -hmm. you've got to pay what you can afford to pay. Yep. Um, don't overpay. Uh, Danny, we've only got about a minute left of this part. <clears throat> Just wrapping up on Wigan, yeah. where should they be looking for a head coach now? Should it be Adrian Lamb? Should it be a young British coach? Another another person like Sean Edwards who knows the club very well? What I, would think, you I think they should be following Ricky up and saying, can you th throw us a few dozen of those CVs from <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'm sure that they've got a plan. They're, they're, they're shrewd operators. Um, I, will it come from within the domestic group or will it come from Australia? I think, I think we know the answer to that. I think it'll probably be an Aussie. They could do a lot worse than ask Sean Wayne to come back. No temptation on a James Ford or... You'd love Marshall. to think so. You'd love to think so. You'd love but, to see that. But, uh, yeah, to. the job he's done at York is fantastic, and, and Halifax too. But but I think uh, I, I think they'll go with the safe bet, and the safe bet these days, sadly, seems to be the NRL. Fair enough. Well, it's a very very busy week coming up. Easter period is massive for all clubs in their aspirations. We'll be talking about that and the Super Saints right after this short break. Welcome back to the final part of this week's Rugby League Back Chat. Gents, a big, big period coming up. It is Easter, and we all know how important that is for clubs. But before we go on to that, just quickly, St Helens, Danny, yeah. what a performance. It was billed as the big one against Warrington, yeah. and they showed up. Yeah, they did, they did. That, that was five-star. If they, if they can't play like that every week, you know, thank the good Lord for the, for the sake of the competition, because <laughs> otherwise we could give them every piece of silver now. <clears throat> but we know that you know it is swings and roundabouts. Fortunes change. Nothing went right for Warrington on the night. Everything stuck for Saints, um, and that was kind of the, the the boost they needed after the after the defeat at Catalans. I think that uh, when Johnny Lomax is on the field, I think that they you know he changes the game for them. I think Lachlan Coote has been a terrific addition to the squad. I'd like to see him involved in the Lions setup at the end of the year, um, and 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 that. That Saints pack is as good as anything in the game right now. Um, what can go wrong? Well, as we know in this in this sport things do, and it's usually injury led. But if they stay if they stay healthy, um, you know the bookies will be paying out early. I think. 
Well, Ricky, Easter can be a defining period for, for any club. Uh, in, in Super League and Championship this year in particular, it's that tight. Teams could catapult up the league, they could shoot down the league. Probably in Super League, the biggest plot over Easter is going to be Leeds, though. Right at the bottom, they've got games against Wakefield and Huddersfield. If they were to lose those two games, would it be panic stations? Uh, possibly. Possibly. It might, it might already be panic stations, uh, the amount of money that they spent. Uh, but I just think the Easter weekend, is, it just throws up so many, so many variables. Not just, just, not just Easter, the two games over Easter, but certainly the third game as well. Uh, so I'm not sure who Leeds have got the third game. I think it's all KR. So, so they've got three real, real cup final games. Uh, and then go probably go into a cup, a cup game as well against against Bradford. So 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 they've got a few. They've got to they've got to raise the game a little bit. They'll they'll get confidence from last week's result against against Workington. Uh, but yeah, potentially it could be could be a banana skin for a banana skin weekend for them. I think the big the big one is is Huddersfield. They've gone under the radar a bit the last couple of weeks and 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 they've really raised the game and gone from from being close to the bottom to to being eighth and, and pushing two, that. two points off the playoffs. Yeah. Now. So Damien, Super League before we touch on the championship, mm. incredibly tight this year. Wigan and Saints have obviously scored. Uh, Wigan and not Wigan, Warrington and Saints, they got them eventually, have, have scorched ahead. The rest, it's so tight, isn't it? It's been, you can't tip anything at the minute. I think, firstly, I think Warrington deserve absolute plaudits. I mean, what they've done and built up to this season mm. so far, and, and I, I do hope it becomes a bit of a, a, you know, a clash between them and St Helens late in the season. But the, 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 the rest of the games are so meaningful every week on week. Anyone can beat anybody. Um, that's what you want. It's what you want in the competition. So credit to everyone who, who's got it there and is doing it. I think um, you mentioned, you know, your Leeds, uh, Huddersfield, Wakefield, big Easter for all of them. Yeah. All of them. Um, it can really, it could set the rod in for, for clubs who don't win. You know, you, if, if you don't win both your Easter games out of any of those three, that's yeah, it's, yeah. it's it is perfect. I'm, I'm, I'm waiting for we should run a sweepstake on the first coach to complain about having to play back to back games over Easter. But you know, get used to it, guys. But I do think that certainly with the Leeds situation, I mean, they're going to get Wakefield at the right time in terms of um, the injuries. Yeah. Uh, you know, that was a terrific win over. Uh, you know. You've got to acknowledge it was a depleted Wigan, as we said, there's no Lachlan out there. But uh, but Wakefield always continue to surprise They're me. A they always, side. They, they always they can you know, scrap with anyone, mate. But, They'll fight out of it. But the, yeah. but you know, I, I, and I thought when they lost Bill Two Point, Tom Johnson, two of the best strike players in the competition, I thought now that's them gone. But they still keep turning out. But I just you know they've got to find bodies to put on the field, and that's their problem right now. So I think Leeds are getting them at exactly the right time. But beyond that, uh, I do think that we have a competition at the moment that is defined by injuries. Mm. I think that you know, if, if Danny Maguire isn't playing, Hull KR aren't performing. Um, you, you look at Castleford. You know, and I know Jake Truman's a, a really promising young man, but but they're really struggling in midfield, and I think that that will have the biggest outcome on the competition. I'm going to pick you up on a point. You said get used to the games over Easter, but then you said we've got a competition defined on injuries. Yeah, but it, but we know ahead of the we know ahead of the um, of the of the season starting just how the fixtures are going to fall. Heaven heaven forbid that we sometime have a 
a reserve competition match, <laughs> you know, so that they would have players that, that can step up into the breach as yeah. opposed to bringing academy kids in and throwing them in at the deep end. Uh, that's a problem of the club's own making. That's not the RFL's fault. That's the Super League clubs that, that won't invest in that. Uh, and I think I think at times like this, that is the argument to put back to coaches that are complaining. How many times are back-to-back matches during a season? Just the once at Easter time? Yeah. You know, I mean, please... Origin's been doing it for 15 years. It's yep. the toughest competition. I mean, if you know it's coming on once, you know, budget for it, you know, prepare for it um, and rotate. You know, coaches should have been rotating and looking to solve that problem last week mm-hmm. and the week before, yep. managing it. In this day and age, I think, you know, games, you have to be playing. We're up against football here. They play every bank holiday, every every Easter. You know, we've got to do it. You've got to play. You've got to be getting people through the gates. So, unfortunate, it's just going to have to happen. But, um, yeah, I think... Reserve creates the answer. I think you talk about big weekends. It's a big week, big weekend for London. I was just going to mention the Ricky. So you go. So, so I think if they if they can get a win on Thursday against Catalan at home, at home on that on on that on that pitch, then that sets them up for a real big Easter Easter week Easter weekend and Easter break. They're doing a great job. Yeah, they yeah. really are. I don't want to leave out the two Hull clubs. Look, Hull FC have been literally the epitome of this season. That they have won games. You would. Probably not expect them to win. Then they got hammered by Warrington. You've got Salford in there as well. He went to Catalans and thrashed them, but can't win at home. For, for all these clubs, mm. there's no room for budge, is there, at the minute? Because if you have a bad Easter, if you lose all three, you're suddenly down at the bottom. You win all three, you're, you're the next best behind, behind well, you Warrington. Could, you could, I think you could actually get to the point now where you say, if you win those three games, you're safe. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's, it's that tough out there. I mean, I thought that we're seeing some terrific entertainment. I'm not, I'm not sure all of it is a result of the the very highest grade rugby league being played. But in terms of you know putting on a show for the fans, that that Catalan's whole game was was yeah. just absolutely terrific. And uh, I, I know that um, the Banaguash and and the and the Dragons people feel that they get the uh, a bad a bad break from English officials all too often and I thought they were very unlucky on Saturday, I really did but the, f- the fact is, and I'm not a fan of Golden Point, not a fan at all that was terrific viewing It's manufactured, Damien great moments, hasn't it? It's, it's manufactured unforgettable, moment, unforgettable moments of Golden G- Point. Golden Point, it's here it's here to stay. It's going to be what it is. It's worked in the NRL. It's now part and parcel of rugby league there. Mm-hmm. Um, it's created that great moment, you know, in that match you just said. It created a great moment in the Challenge Cup with, with Bradford winning on the bell um, a, a, against um, a fantastic Featherstone performance. So that's golden point, you know. And I, I personally would like to see maybe both sides get something out of the draw at the end in, in the league in the league competition. So change the point system. I, I personally think both sides should get a point for the draw for getting to a twenty twenty result after eighty minutes. And if there were a bonus point of one to win it in the golden point, I'd be happy with that. Okay. Um, but you know, because I think you know eighty minutes is is a, is a long time to get done in golden point where the rest of the eighty minutes seems to be set aside yeah. I'd probably even you know I'm not a big fan of the drop goal the drop out shootout either that happens no. um, but I think it's it's as good as it's going to be in balance it's been tried and tested in the NRL for a long time and I'd stay with it it's great you mentioned the challenge cup uh, as a result of that Jordan Lilly drop goal you've now been presented with a game at home to Leeds. Could yeah. you have wished for a possible better draw? Yeah, the that? Challenge Cup, it's fantastic. And if you'd said six weeks ago that you know the Bulls would be involved in that sort of game in Leeds and for the Cup competition, it's really good. I've said it before that uh, I don't think we honour the Cup enough. 
Um, it's something the NRL have never had. Australia's never had a good cup competition across different divisions. If people throw up on that, supporters love it. Um, they love the upset potential. And to, to see that match and, you know, for Leeds to finally be coming back to Odsall in a, in a great big cup tie, it's massive for the people of Bradford and, and for Leeds supporters and um, really good for the game. So exciting. And, you know, I've got to put credit to Featherston. I mean, they, they absolutely gave it to Bradford Bulls on Sunday for 65 minutes, all of 65 minutes. They were on top by 18 points leading into the last 10. So I do feel for them a little bit because they, they really came as a, a great cup team and they, they had no um, dual reg players. They were seven starters short. A pretty, pretty big performance. I think it's been lost a little bit in the glory of the win and all of that, but Featherston should be very proud of that. We were talking off there about the, the days when we used to see Bradford Lees attract 24,000 people. What do you think you can attract for that Challenge Cup game? Oh, look, it's exciting already. People, and it was only last night at the draw, I think if there's not 15,000 people there, at least you'd be you'd be disappointed. Um, it's just it's one of those meaningful one-offs that the fringe people and, and, the, and the cities will get together and, and get around. So he's hoping. Yeah. It's, it's, it's the boost that the game needs. There's, you know, the Wigan-Warrington uh, draw, that, that'll, that'll, that'll make for great viewing. But uh, and I think it's a, the boost that the RFL need because you know, as you said, I mean the the, the Challenge Cup has kind of flown a little bit under yeah. the radar. We started the season with some terrible publicity for it in terms of who's in, who's out, putting up bonds. Um, I think looking at the draw and looking at uh, at the possible outcomes, there will be one or two nervous people in red all hoping that the results go <laughs> their way. Um, but that's the glory of the cup for you. Going, I think Doncaster as well. Doncaster have got yeah. a real, real good draw at the, at the home of the champions now. So, yeah, and obviously we'll have a guaranteed a championship team in the quarterfinals, which is inevitably a good move. So we'll move on to the championship. Uh, it's a big week for Bradford. In this, you've got Halifax first and foremost, and very much like Super League, it is a it is a competition where two or three wins over Easter and Toronto have stretched away, haven't they? Toulouse have nudged a little bit further, but after that, it's a free for all. What a great competition again. I mean, the fact that we talked expansion to start off the show. Um, and, you know, you've got Toulouse and Toronto there dominating and playing very good rugby. Um, you know, York uh, 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 really keeping up their reputation as being a well-coached and a very good side, a well-run side. Uh, we've got, obviously, the Bulls in there. Um, you've got clubs that are just proper championship clubs like your Dewsbury's and, and, and um, you know, Halifax, as you say, who... They, they, they know the competition so very well and can beat anyone on their day. Um, every weekend there are two or three clashes there which you'd go and easily spend your money and walk up as a casual fan and watch. So, again, credit to all those clubs in the RFL for that competition. Um, and I think you're finding, <coughs> contrary to all the talk last year about Super League and breakaways and all of that, you're finding that bottom four of Super League and Championship, I believe, closer than you ever will see. Mm -hmm. um, that's why I think that clash Leeds and Bulls is very interesting as well. Leeds down that bottom end and struggling a little bit in Super League uh, with a side who's just coming into some form in Championship. So it'll be interesting to see a form line. Championship's going great. Yeah, and the proof was that Halifax obviously beat London. Uh, <coughs> Lee very nearly beat. Okay, Ricky, I'm sure that you'll be keeping an eye on, on the championship, what's going on. I'm sure you'll be watching, watching players from, from that competition. In terms of a product, we, we talk about products and, and building the game and it being as marketable as possible. The championship of the last few years has become just that, hasn't it? I think it's great to watch. Uh, I've got some real good contacts with, with Toulouse, so I've been to watch a few of their games this, this year. I think it's great to watch. I think they're, they're a real, it's a real good, especially Toulouse, uh, I'm speaking first hand from, from watching them, but they sh they play a real exciting brand of rugby, mm -hmm. that typical Gallic flair, throw the ball around, want to score tries, want to score points, 
Uh, it's an entertaining game to watch. I, I think I think what it speaks to is the the quality of players that we do have available in the sport, mm. and it is and it comes down to opportunity is, is all. You know, you look at Huddersfield; they've got uh, they've got lads, ex Bradford players, um, that that were that were that starred in the championship, but but have taken their game, uh, you know, to the next level once they've been given a Super League opportunity. And I think that that. You know, you look at that Halifax performance and it isn't as though London put out a weak side, anything like that. I think you could make a case perhaps for the Broncos having one eye on, you know, Super League survival, then they don't realistically think they're gonna to get to Wembley. Maybe that was a little bit of a factor. But still for Halifax to turn them over in that in that style was something else. And 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 it comes right back down to just the quality of the players on the on the field. The one thing the disappointing result for me was Workington at Leeds. I thought you know that was a real blowout, and when you look at the Workington side, they have players in there that you would think you know belong at the top end of the championship yeah, yeah. and not in League One. Yeah. So I was disappointed in that, but you are always going to get that, you know, when you when you get you, one. you get it because there is a very different style of rugby <laughs> and officially done at championship level, and and the ruck is quite a bit slower, Danny. And mm. um, if if a Super League team get a roll on with quick play the balls and that, I tell you, it could be twenty four points. The other, the other team just don't see the ball. Yeah. Well, I, I was at the uh, Salford Rochdale game, and I think that was exactly the same. So Rochdale just couldn't keep up the the pace. League One, we mentioned working and on paper they've got a really strong a really strong squad. And you look at some of the ones at the top. Newcastle have got a great squad. Hunslet <laughs> looks strong as well. Everyone might think that you're just going to skyrocket through these leagues. It's not going to be easy it's in year one, is it? Oh, no. Depends no. how many of them you take. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not going to be easy at all. And we're, we're well aware of what what's expected and, and where we expect to be. So I, I do hope that you I do hope you generate some American players, yeah. Mickey, because you know they've they've some terrific athletes and they lend themselves perfectly to rugby league better, I think, than rugby union. I know we had a kid uh, going around the championship circuit uh, last year or the year before, Monty Gaddis, Monty Gaddis yeah. came over, but um, you know, and that, that, that wasn't you know a success story in itself. But I think there are some out there yeah. to be un uncovered. You've got some trials out on the, the eastern. Course, yeah, we, so the plan is to have four, uh, four week-long tryouts uh, up up the east coast. So where will they be roughly? So roughly they'd be <laughs> Florida, Atlanta, New York, and New York, New Jersey, and uh, going up to Boston. Yeah. Uh, so we'd have fifty athletes come stay with us for for a week. Coaching staff would be involved. Uh, we'd 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 house them. We'd feed them. Uh, but they'd, they'd be undertaking like a real intense week-long training session. And then, hopefully, by the end of that week, we we might be able to get two or three players mm -hmm. who we think are good enough to. I think, like anything, you're not going to struggle to find <coughs> wingers and, and probably your centres and those running style no. athletes. Um, it's that spine, which yeah. is going to be important. The, the rugby league knowledge, and yeah. probably you're going to need a good defensive coach. I think to just get that inside and outside yeah. sliding defence yeah. worked out for the American players, but obviously. Um, it'll be the boys that you put around them, which are going yeah. to be interesting. I can't, I can't wait. I hope it start. I wish it starts tomorrow in New York. I think we all feel exactly the same. Well, that's all we've got time for on this week's edition of Rugby League Back Chat. A big thanks to my guests for their involvement, and we'll be back next week for another edition of Rugby League Back Chat. Bye for now. <laughs>